Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Four coats. Four coats. That is the number of coats my six-year-old daughter with ADHD, ODD, reactive attachment disorder, PTSD, etc., etc., etc. That is the number of coats that she has lost in the last 14 days. And what makes this even more spectacular is that in those 14 days, four of them, she was homesick. So she didn't leave the house. She didn't put on a coat. She didn't take off a coat four days, which means she only attended school six of those days. Now I know I hear you saying four coats. Why in the world does she have four coats? And I'm going to tell you, she has a church coat and she has a play coat slash school coat. And then she found two of her brother's old coats that she fits in. So she wears them. (laughs) So that is how she ended up with four coats. Now I'm a mom of a young kid that has mental health issues. And I was severely disappointed in the lack of assistance in the medical professionals. So I am out here on my own. I'm studying, I'm searching for answers to help my kid. So as I am going through, I decide I'm going to research why in the world my child can't remember. So I found this article in Attitude Mag. So it's ADD Etude Magazine or ADDetudemag.com that's called I Don't Remember. And it's by Sandra Reef. And I is it was written in 2021. And she talks about the different strategies that are needed when kids have difficulty remember thing, remembering things and to do things. And I'm like, okay, this is great. She has a bunch of great ideas, but this isn't what I was looking for. I kind of wanted reasons, but, but I'm going through and the first one is, you know, draw vivid pictures so that they can have something stick out to them and teach memory strategies like mnemonic devices, like how the Great Lakes is homes, Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, and Superior, or how number three, create acrostics for whole or whole sentences, you know, and she has all these little memory tricks, try a melody, use songs, and all these things. And I'm like, this is great. This is great. And but this isn't what I'm talking about. So I decided to dig in a little bit deeper and I came across some really interesting information. So what I learned is that low levels of dopamine in the brain impact your memory. Now, when you have ADHD, you are constantly dopamine chasing. So I was like, whoa, here we go. So if you find and you look up at the Cleveland Clinic, they have a section called dopamine deficiency. And it talks about what that looks like and what that does to your brain. So you can have things like bad mood, or you're always tired, or you can't concentrate. It goes through about these specific things with just low dopamine. But what I noticed as I got to the bottom of the article is there are some dopamine deficient conditions. So Parkinson's disease is a low dopamine condition. Restless leg syndrome is a low dopamine condition. And actually, ironically, and not ironically, they have the same kind of medication as Parkinson's disease. 
you have depression, which is a low dopamine and low serotonin like condition. But then you have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I was like, whoa, I did not realize, even though it makes perfect sense, when you realize just how much your kids are chasing dopamine, I did not realize. So I look up another one, another article, and it's from psychcentral.com. And it's called What to Know About ADHD and Dopamine. And my friends, there is a lot. So they have a memory learning section and how dopamine levels, when they're low, people can experience cognitive difficulties. It also shows in some of the articles, I'm going back and forth on a few right now, about reward prediction error. And this is when you get it wrong. And I'm going to read to you the definition here or what is brought up when you type reward prediction error into the computer. It says reward prediction error is a variable that describes how animals repeat behavior only if they hold the promise of a reward. During the learning process, RPE, which is the acronym, plays a crucial role in decision making by referring to differences between expectations and actual rewards. Dopamine neurons send a rapid signal that covers all three possible errors in predicting reward, that the reward is better than expected, that it was as expected, or negative, less than expected. Most neurons responsible for the release of dopamine are triggered by the difference between achieved reward and expected reward. This was a gigantic eye-opener for me because my little lady will definitely have a difficulty when her perceived reward is not her achieved reward. (laughs) When you go through though and you look more into this, you can see that dopamine has a large impact on several mental health disorders, including depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, all those things. So when you have low dopamine, you can have a lot of memory problems because this is a neurotransmitter. It is essential for memory. It is essential for learning. So for those of you who might have a child who has an issue learning, you are might be dealing with a low dopamine issue. When you look up what low dopamine looks like, it actually kind of looks nothing like what I'm finding with ADHD. They're like, oh, they're sad, they're depressed, they don't do anything. And I'm like, yeah, well, mine has so much energy, but she's not learning and she's not, she doesn't have memory and she can't remember where she puts any of her coats. One of the coats of the four coats was found underneath six inches of snow. So she's outside playing, takes off her coat and leaves it under. And you're like, oh, okay. If it was one coat, you'd be like, oh, okay. Well, another one of her coats was underneath somebody else's bed. We don't have a lot of beds in this house where things fit underneath. And yet there it is underneath somebody else's bed. And then another coat was hidden in the garage. Now you're saying, oh, well, doesn't it sound like you found all these coats? I'm going to tell you that this morning, 
every coat was gone again. We have no idea where any of the coats were. So technically, she's lost four coats twice in the last two weeks. So there are some genetic factors that occur with dopamine. So your ADHD can be a a receptor gene called 7R. And if you look up an article from Psych Central, this is a Psych Central article, it gives you more information about these different parts and risk factors of ADHD. So it can be genetics, it can be environmental toxins, it can be lead poisoning, it can be tobacco, drug, and alcohol use during pregnancy, it can be a brain injury, and it can be an exposure to hazard environmental hazards during pregnancy. So you can have an exposure to something that then causes your child's brain to not develop in a way where it can utilize the dopamine or create the dopamine in a way that is best for your neurotransmission. And just as a tiny little background, there are at least four well-known neurotransmitters. You have dopamine, you have serotonin, you have epinephrine, and you have norepinephrine. And your dopamine is a pleasure response. So when I say that these ADHD kids are chasing dopamine, it's because they're trying to get that that pleasure response from something that they've done. And sometimes even being mischievous or being mean or oppositional, look into this, you oppositional defiant disorder parents. There is a huge pleasure response from some kids when they fight with other people. It kind of gives them that rush and that then releases dopamine. So some people get a rush when they have an adrenaline release And so that can happen when you're fighting with someone, but also with serotonin, it has to do with your mood stabilizations, your sleeping. There's a lot of neurotransmitters that are just so important when you're considering why your child is behaving the way they are when they have these other disorders. So what do you do? What do you do if you realize that your child has this lack of dopamine, they're constantly dopamine chasing, they're running around the house trying to figure out all of these ways to increase the pleasure or else they, they have a really big disconnect between when they're not getting what they want. What in the world do you do? Well, some of the more natural things that you can do, according to an article on healthline.com, it is called the 10 best ways to increase dopamine levels naturally by Megan Solomon. And it says that one of the best things you can do is to eat lots of protein. Now I hear this and I even have done this. I just haven't really known why. But what it says is that there are 20 amino acids that are used to make up your body. And there's one specific amino acid called tyrosine, and it has a critical role in dopamine production. You can get tyrosine from turkey, beef, eggs, dairy, soy, and legumes, but there's another one called phenylalanine. (laughs) You guys, I did not say that right. (laughs) Phenylalanine. I don't know. I'm not saying it right. But if you take these both out of your diet, it will deplete your dopamine. They also say in this article that saturated fats will disrupt your dopamine signal in the brain when you have it in large amounts. So if you have a large amount 
of saturated fats, it says 50% of your calories, then you're going to have a hard time having your neurotransmissions properly and you're going to have changes in your dopamine. It also really connected the inflammation in your body, which there's a ton of other studies that I don't have up in front of me right now that connect your different glands, your different hormones when you have a lot of inflammation in your body. Gut health is another thing that is brought up. Having a nice gut biome, my microbiome. They recommend probiotics if you're having issues. It also says eat velvet beans, which I'd never heard of before, but it says it's very beneficial for even the people who have Parkinson's disease, where it is, it just has high levels of something called L-DOPA, which is the precursor molecule to dopamine. So I, I suppose that it helps you increase your dopamine levels. Number five is to exercise often. Exercising is a mood booster. If you don't do it too intensely, some people can work up to doing it very intensely. But if you do it and you're stressed out and then you exercise, you will actually deplete yourself and your dopamine levels. So start off slow, build up your body. If you're incredibly stressed, definitely start with something like walking or something simple where you're not also increasing your adrenaline, which will cause problems. So, but exercising often, getting enough sleep, listening to music, finding a music that works for your soul and your body is incredibly great for your dopamine levels. And especially if you like it, you can mix it with dancing. Two for one. Number eight is meditation. This is kind of being able to let go of the stress that you have, which will increase your dopamine. Getting enough sunlight, of course, we all know that vitamin D is huge when it comes to our body's ability to get rid of seasonal affective disorder, and it also helps boost dopamine. So consider different vitamins. This is the last one. Supplements, iron, folate, B6. Get yours and your child's vitamin levels checked because sometimes these dopamine issues can be something as simple as the body is not absorbing a particular vitamin and then not functioning properly. So I really recommend getting your vitamins checked. But let's pretend you've done all these things. Let's pretend you've increased your exercise and your protein intake and you're even eating velvet beans and you're like, okay, now what? Well, sometimes you're going to need medication. So they have different kinds of medications for ADHD that will release dopamine. So you have your amphetamines, you have your methylphenidates, you have your I don't even know how to say this other one, but it's like the Viennese or V. I don't, I don't know how to say any of this. It's a stimulant. Also, a lot of your stimulant medications will release dopamine. And that's one of the reasons why people end up going into different addictive places when they have low dopamine is because they're trying to get that rush of dopamine for themselves. And when they do it artificially, even with medical grade stuff, from what I understand, is you will build a resistance to it eventually. And it can, it can cause addiction 
later on, usually when you're doing recreational drugs more so than when your doctor prescribes it. But I did find an interesting piece of information. I found that chamomile tea is a mild tranquilizer, but it also boosts serotonin, dopamine, and that noradrenaline that was really good for your body and your brain. So I don't know all that much about chamomile tea, but I did think it was really interesting that that was such a beneficial thing. But one of the last things I want to talk about in my research that I did for this article was an article written for verywellmind.com called How Dopamine Influences Your Mental Health. This was fascinating. It talked about the stress response. Now, when you encounter stress, it says, real or imagined, your sympathetic nervous system is going to kick in. And that's also going to trigger a release of dopamine, as well as adrenaline and other hormones like that. But when you have acute stress, which means short term, or you have chronic stress, there are different things that happen in your body. So when you have acute stress, Your body, your short-term stress temporarily raises your dopamine levels in your prefrontal cortex. Now, this is your decision-making area. And if you know a kid with ADHD who can lose four coats eight times in two weeks, then you can know that that prefrontal cortex is not always operating at its best. So when you have chronic stress, you actually get a reduction of the D2 receptors in your brain regions. And this is where you it the D2 receptors mediate dopamine functions. You also can have an overworked stress response, which will drain all of your body systems, including your dopamine regulation ability. So this can be if you're in an unpleasant job, if you're in an abusive relationship, or if you are the parent of a hard kid, or if you are a hard kid, because when you're a hard kid and you're constantly getting in trouble and you're constantly having to be redirected or adjust, or you're not learning and you're having trouble learning, then you're going to be stressed. And that increased stress is going to reduce your dopamine regulation. This is also in an article from Healthy Health Fully called Dopamine and the Stress Response written by Robin Wood Moen. And I recommend this article to you. It has a lot of interesting pieces on memory and poor concentration and how dopamine depletion will affect your cognitive function. And it also has this one little part about blood flow to the brain and how when you are chronically stressed, like I know all of you parents of those kids are, and even your kids, where it will lead to inadequate blood flow to the brain, which will then impact other processing centers that aren't even as closely related to the dopamine. So you have a lot of health consequences that come from a dopamine depletion. That can be Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, heart disease, cancer, and autoimmune disorders. This is according to the article in Healthfully. Yeah, Healthfully. So 
it talks about also pleasure and mood regulation about endorphins and how your endorphins to have a good mood can be very impacted by dysregulated dopamine levels that can be impacted heavily by stress, as well as a higher propensity for any kind of injury. Your dopamine levels make a huge impact on your mental health. It's even a huge impact on your physical health. You can have depression and mania. It's really connected into bipolar disorder. They have a lot of different impacts and we overlook it as something just annoying that our kid is doing. But there really might be a deeper reason why a six-year-old loses four coats twice each in two weeks. I hope this has been educational for you as it has been for me. Thank you so much for joining me.